team of uh, uh, 52 people. Uh, yeah. So I need a, uh, it's going to be spontaneous acting as going to read the scripture. So I need children. I have Peter ready, at least at least one person, you know, so Peter ready. Uh, some adults, children come together. As I'm going to read, you're going to spontaneously act, okay? That is the purpose, okay? Um, you need to stick with the Word of God. You can't create anything new, so always act according to the Word of God, you know. So I don't want to add or eliminate from the Word of God. That's the reason. So, okay, so who likes to come forward? Children, you okay? So I need uh, uh, guards. I need uh, uh, Peter. I need some adults, please, you know. So adults as uh, uh, some guards, uh, some, you know, so come together. And uh, as I'm going to read, um, uh, some of them are going to come together. Adults, goodness me, scary adults, you know. They, come on, they're not going to do anything. They are children, okay? They're harmless. Okay, come and help. So what I, what I need, the adults need to help them to um, do the acting. <clears throat> so part of worship, we are, as a church, you know, so everyone is included. And uh, as we are going to read this passage uh, we believe God is going to do something supernatural through us, uh, through the Word, because His Word is living and active. Okay. Okay, so... Um, okay, so... Acts... If something goes wrong, it's not my problem. Okay, the adults are responsible. Because I can't do both, you know, so... You know, so I can't preach and manage that one. So that's why responsible adults are there. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we are helping these guys. It's Acts chapter 12. Some graphic images are there, you know, so you need to manage with that. So if you have children have some difficult questions, you can deal with them at home. You know, you have plenty of time. It was about the time that King Herod arrested some of who belongs to the church. Okay, where is the king? Some arrest needs to go now. Yeah, you can arrest. <laughs> the reason they intend to persecute them. He had James, the bro brother of John, and put him to death with the sword. Now we are laughing. It was no laughing time at that time. When he saw that this pleased the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. This happened during the Feast of Unleavened Bread. After arresting him, he put him in prison. Handing over to the guard by four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after the pa Passover. <laughs> so the Peter was kept in prison. But the church was earnestly praying to God for him. I need a church, praying church. 
The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains. And sentries stood guard at the entrance. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared, and a light shone in the cell. Quick, get up, he said, and the chains fell off, Peter's, fell off from Peter's wrist. The angel, oh, Peter, don't run away, just calm down. <laughs> you need to wait, lots of things, there are lots of gates coming, you know, so you need to wait. Quick, get up, he said, and he, his chains fell off Peter's wrist. Then the angel said to him, Put on the clothes and sandals. At least he's wearing clothes, you know, so I don't know. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me. The angel told him, Peter followed him out of the prison. But he had no idea that was the angel was doing really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. They passed the first and the second guards and came to the iron gate leading to the gate, leading to the city. It opened them by itself. They went through it. Then they had walked the length of one street. Suddenly the angels left him. Then Peter came to <laughs> himself and said, Now I know without a doubt that the Lord sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were anticipating. When this has dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary. This has become the Mary's house now. The mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. Peter knocked out the outer entrance, and the servant came, came, called Rhoda came to answer the door. Where is Rhoda? Can, can you go and open the door? When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed and ran back without opening it and exclaimed, Peter is at the door! No, 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 that didn't happen. Honestly, I can manage children. I'm struggling to manage adults, you know. You know. <laughs> you are out of mind, they told her. When she kept insisting that it was so, they said, it must be his angel. But Peter kept on knocking. When they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. Peter motioned with his hands for them to be quiet and describe how the Lord had brought him out of the prison. Tell James and the brothers about this, he said, and he left for another place. In the morning... 
there was no small commotion among the soldiers as that what had had, had become to, became of Peter. The, the, after Herod had a, a thorough search made for him and did not find him, he cross-examined the guards and ordered that they be executed. Okay. Thank you, guys. Give it. I'll have a word with the adults at the end, okay? What on earth going on here? Church is not a dangerous place, you know. Like, a, they are nice, normal people, and they are not violent. They are not making any threat or violence against anyone. But here, the response from the authorities is a little bit different. So if they are making some chaos in the communities, always to bring order, you can arrest people. That is, what, that's not happening here. You know, here, they arrested people, praying people, helping people, peaceful people. And they are very much for the community, not against the community. And they are the group of people, they pray for the authorities, not against the authorities. But what on earth? Why James was arrested? Why authorities were targeting Christians at that time and even this time? Why we are so targeted? Multiple reasons are there. Because of what we believe and who we exalt, and we proclaim God is king, and he is the ruler. So when we exalt Jesus' name, what happens? All the others, the other kingdoms, other rulers will be challenged by who they are, and they may feel uncomfortable who they are, and especially in a Roman or Jewish kind of setting, when you proclaim Jesus is king, that is a big statement. In this time, when we say God's word is the ultimate plumb line for each and everyone to live and move forward, other isms will be challenged. Humanism will be challenged. Secularism will be challenged. Communism will be challenged. Selfishness will be challenged. Kingdoms will be challenged because of the king, and we exalt that king. So that can happen even now. So this is not an alternative solution. When we say this is the solution, this is the way, that's the time kings, queens, authorities, government feel uncomfortable even though they are placed by the king of kings and lord of lords. Not only that, through persecuting church, there is some benefit. The popularity will be increased. So that means here, when they were arresting uh, uh, James, what happened? He saw that, oh, he's trending. He's, uh, he's trending now in the marketplace because Jews are clapping their hands. Well done, well done, well done. So the popularity increasing, that means they're thrown are more and more secure so they can establish their own rule over that place. So he was using the church 
to persecute, not only to persecute, at the same time gaining popularity. So we can see that one in chapter verse 2 and 3. He killed James, the brother of John, with a sword. When he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter. Okay, so I went for a lower, little bit more, little or maybe lower in the rank apostle there. And if the popularity is going high, I'm going to going for the chief one, the main one. That's going to be Peter. So he arrested him. That's the reason he was arrested. It's not just a Herod's, this Herod syndrome, you know. So we can see that when we go back to the scripture, at the time Jesus was born, there is another great, the Herod the Great. He also ordered all the children to be killed. There was a big thing happening because he, he felt there is a child coming. There is some sort of prophecies coming. Everyone is looking for that. And this king is going to be dangerous, you know. So how can I deal with the challenge? Get rid of everyone. Because he was challenged by something is coming because he doesn't want to be interrupted. There is another king that's a Herod Antipas. You know, what he did, he arrested John the Baptist. When... John the Baptist was uh, talking about repent, turn to God, and follow God. What you're doing is against God. Your kingdom will be challenged. In order to please the crowd, what he did, he killed John the Baptist for popularity, for, for support. So become politically correct. We can see that the same thing happened even now. So church can be really targeted because we believe in the word of God, but there is a majority out there support something else. They think the easy way to get popularity, become politically correct by persecuting the church. So this is a sim, uh, there, is a sim, uh, there is a pattern we can see that again and again and again. Now Peter is killed, uh, no, James is killed and Peter is is persecuted, or he was, uh, he, was, he, was under, uh, he was in chain. When I was looking at Peter's life, you know, what is actually happening here, I don't know how, the highs, how, how big he is, how tall he is, how strong he is. He was surrounded with four times four soldiers. What is four times four, children? Sixteen soldiers for a guy surrounding them. That's quite unusual. Have you ever thought that one? Why just, if he's already inside a prison, you know, if it's already locked, if he's already inside the gate, one is more than enough. And there is no army coming to rescue them. There is no history of violence from the church or anything. Why 16 people for this fellow? And he's in chain inside, inside two soldiers and 16. Because there are historical reasons there. Because their master came out from the tomb, even though it was chained and surrounded with guards, there is a rumor Jesus was rose from the dead. So these bunch of guys are not normal guys, look quite normal, dress quite normal, and talk awkward, but they are not something normal, they are something different. So they are using every power to protect and making sure that he is waiting to be persecuted and to be killed so that 
the blood of the church will be used for more and more for his popularity. That is my assumption. So previous case has been, been mentioned that one. And not only that one, so we can see that one. There are prison escapes happen within the church many times. Miraculously happened many, many times. What was the response of Peter at that time? Let me read, come to that passage, you know. So it says, he's, this happened during the Feast of un, Unleavened. I was always struggled with that word, you know. My wife always struggled with it. Is it unleavened or unleavened? Or, anyway, you know that one, okay? So, uh, after arresting him, he put him in prison, handing him over to the guards by four squads, four soldiers each. Verse 5. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying for him, praying to God for him. Shall we say that together, that word, earnestly? Another word is diligently, praying for him. The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with the two chains and sentries stood guard at the entrance. You know, that's the picture you can see him. He was not panicking. He was not thinking, oh, please get me out of here. Get me out of here. I'm going to die tomorrow. I'm going to die tomorrow. Jesus, save me. Jesus, save me. Jesus, save me. I'm so scared. But he was sleeping. He was sleeping. He was a cool dude. There. I don't know what was going on inside. I don't know because he was sleeping because he was tired. I don't know because he was sleeping because he felt there is no point panicking. All hopes are gone. I might be killed or not. You know, so anyway, living or dying for Jesus. But even so, sleeping can be really challenging. But Bible says he was sleeping. I trust that word. How can you sleep? Let's go to Psalm chapter 3. There was a time, you know, so David was facing death threat from his own son. And he was surrounded with all this enemy. You know. In Psalm 3, it says, like, it says, when he fled from his son Absalom, O Lord, how many of my foes, how many rise up against me? Many are saying, saying of me, God will not deliver him. But you are my shield around me, O Lord. You bestow glory on me and lift up my head. To the Lord I cry aloud, and he answers me from his holy hill. I wake again because the Lord sustains me. I will not fear the tens of thousands drawn up against, against me on every side. Arise, O Lord. Deliver me, my God. Strike the enemies. That's the prayer coming from his heart. And in, 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 at the end, you, know, you can see that one. He, he said, I lie down and sleep. I wake again because the Lord sustains me. 
I lie down and sleep. David, are you really saying that? He said, yes, I'm saying that. What is surrounding you? Death threat. Was it easy? No. But he's saying like, you can sleep because, not because of your willpower. It's not because you can manage your emotion. It's not because some sort of technique you're using. It's not because you're ignoring the reality. He's saying, God will sustain me inside that comfort. I can sleep. That is supernatural. No pills can give you that one. They can numb you. But God can sustain you in the midst of persecution. I believe the comfort and the joy from the Holy Spirit was enabling him in the midst of that persecution to sleep, knowing that either way, I'm secure in God. Whether it's life or death, I'm secure in him. That's the stage God is offering us. It's not trouble-free life. It's not emotional-less response. It's not saying everything will be okay and there is no problem. Close your eyes and say, it is darkness when there is something, nothing is happening. No, it is a reality. We face challenges, persecution, but the peace God gives in our heart is beyond what, God, what this world can offer. Sometimes we ask the question, there is a supernatural intervention of God in the life of Peter. Why God didn't rescue James? Why? You just did something for Peter. The church was praying probably, but that didn't happen for James. Sometimes we ask the same question, why God? When we see he is healing, that person got healed, but I've been praying for six years, nothing happened. That person is alive, but this person is dead. We ask the question, why God didn't intervene? So the Lord showed Herod and the church that he is powerful to challenge any any kind of situation put by man. He already proved that one. But at the same time, he didn't do anything for James. That's what understanding. Sometimes that's the way we are looking. In order to understand that one, we need to look at to Mark chapter 10, verse 39. Let's go to Mark chapter 10. There is a conversation happening between the disciples and Jesus. There was an argument going on between among them to be seated on the right side and the left side. There's lots of conversation going about who is going to be the first, who is going to be the last, who is going to be the special one. But Jesus continued a conversation and came to a conclusion, and he was saying that. Mark chapter 10, verse 39. Let me read from 35. Then James and John, this is the James, Son of Zebedee came to Jesus. Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. Okay, thanks. You know, so it's like a children coming and ask. Daddy, can we, can we ask something? Can we say S? Or can you say S first before we ask the question? 
What do you want me to do for you? He asked. They replied, Let one of us sit at your right hand and the other at your left. It is in your glory. Catherine, can you do a favor? Can you pass me my glasses, please? I'm struggling to read, you know. I'm getting wiser now. That's why. They replied, You don't know. He replied, You don't know what you are asking. Jesus said, Can you drink the cup I drink? Or be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with? We can, they answered. Jesus said to them, You will drink the cup. I can see you now. Hello, guys. You've been here all the time. <laughs> they replied, Let one of us sit at your right side and the other at your left side in your glory. You don't know what you're talking, what you're asking. Jesus said, Can you drink the cup I drink or be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with? We can, they answered. Jesus said to them, You will drink the cup I drink and be baptized with the baptism I, I am baptized, baptized. But to sit at the right or the left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for, for those whom they have been prepared. So Jesus was talking in advance, you will drink, you will face persecution and suffering, and he drank that cup in reality in book of Acts in chapter 12. He was killed. Jesus was killed. Jesus was persecuted, and he drank that cup at that moment. That was the moment God decided to take or bring him home through, that is the way. It was not an accident. It was very clear. So some bear witness through death and others through life. That's up to God. That's up to God's timing. We might trying to teach God, okay, this is the best time to do this best way, but God knows what is the best time to do in our lives. We can see that one in Hebrew chapter 11, uh, you know, so, so there is a series of people being amazingly following God, and in chapter 11, verse 32, it says, okay, what, shall, what shall we say then, you know, I don't have time to tell about, uh, there's going to be a list of good, a uh, uh, list of amazing people did, did the supernatural amazing things, a list of people there, uh, Gideon, Barak, Samson, uh, Jephthah, about David, Samuel, and the prophet. They did spectacular things, supernatural things. Went through faith, conquered sin, kingdoms. Yes, that's the kingdom of God, you know. Uh, you know, administered justice. Yes, and gained what was promised and shut the mouth of lions. Yes, quenched the fury of flames and escaped the edge of the sword, whose Weakness was turned to strength, and who became powerful in battle and to rooted, you know, for foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. We can see that one, a list of amazing supernatural. That's the way we see, you know, supernatural means something beyond natural. That's the way we are wired to see supernatural. 
but supernatural in the midst of suffering, in the midst of persecution, in the midst when you are about to lose your job, about to lose your life, when you are praying for sickness to be healed and you are not receiving healing, in the midst of that and fiery time, you are still shouting from the depth of your heart, God, you are good and you are good and your love endures forever is also supernatural. We need to understand the balance of supernatural in the midst of fire, in the midst of suffering, in the midst of harvest, in the midst of farming. Because our life is not based on what is happening outside. Who do we trust? Who is our king? Who holds the time? Who holds the history? Who is coming back? Who is the best judge? And who is the wisest person? And he's our father and we are in him and we are driven by his spirit. That, that is such a confidence we can have in him. In verse 37, they put to death by stoning, flogging, you know. They were cut into two, killed by the sword, and uh, they were inside the, you know, so sheepskins and put in outside the sunshine, and their bones were crushed, destitute, persecuted, mistreated. But they loved God. Some of them hid in holes and in ground because of the severity of the persecution. When I'm talking this one, we are comfortably sitting here. In China, that's not the situation. Some parts of India, that's not the situation. In many parts of Middle East, you can carry the Bible. In Iran, you can't do that one. But the fastest growing church in the world is in Iran and China. What does that show? They don't have a building. They don't have an archbishop. They don't have an organization. Because in the midst of that, what, why church is growing so fast is not because everything is nice and comfortable. They have nice, they have nice website or they have nice coffee. It's not because they have nice chair to sit down because of the persecution and the suffering. They know in their heart there is no one like God. It's worth everything to live for. I know stories of people burned to death in India. Graham Staines, years back, uh, one of the guys came to support uh, leprosy, uh, uh, you know, servants and uh, people in Orissa, you know, as they were sleeping in the caravan in the night, their two children and the father was burned to death by the extremists. They were doing good to the community. And the wife came to the cameras, to the, to, 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 to the court and said, yes, I forgive them. I can forgive them. We will face this more and more and more in the coming days. But we have a hope in God. Philippians chapter 1 verse 14. Paul is encouraging most of the brethren, that's Philippians chapter 1 verse 14. Most of the brethren have been made confident in the Lord because of my imprisonment and are much more bold to speak the word of God without fear. Goodness me. So persecution is a fuel for us. The more trying to crush us, 
We are fueled by the Holy Spirit, and through the work of Holy Spirit, we will become more and more and more bold. We've seen that recently <laughs> regarding Aaron's situation, you know, so we were praying together because something we are facing. I saw that. I experienced that. People coming together and praying more than ever before. Don't wait for the persecution. Has been encouraged, you know. Come and join. Come and join and pray. Tertulli and the Christian defense of the faith who died in 225 said to his enemies, we multiply whenever we are mown down by you. The blood of Christians, the seed of church. Another church leader said in this way, the church of Christ has been found by shedding its own blood. <laughs> Not that of others. By enduring outrage not by inflicting it. So persecution tests our faith. Persecution challenges our foundation. Persecution also really challenges where do we really trust. And that will be reflected in our prayer. When James was killed... Herod scored one goal. When, when God rescued Peter, God scored another goal. One, one. No. <laughs> he is victorious. Always Jesus is victorious. Herod, you are living because of God. It's not like a one goal and one goal. He is ultimately victorious. Kings are standing there because of God. Queens are surviving because of God. They're supposed to demonstrate God's heart, but they misuse it and abuse it. God is always victorious, and He's right. That's why He has conquered sin and death, and He's alive, and He's coming back. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 to 7. Paul is encouraging the church the importance of prayer. Do not be anxious about anything. In the West, we have too much stuff to eat. 20 times of tin tomatoes. 15 types of soups. And we are praying for breakthrough for cucumber and lettuce to be showered so that our aisles will be filled so that we can have a nice salad. God provide nice coffee for us so we can wake up and have a sit down and have we can have a relaxing time. Been looking for shreddies. Not even you can't see. There's not in Aldi. Not in Lidl. There's not in Tesco. Everyone is looking for shreddies. And start shredding your heart. We are Spoiled generation. We spend too much time worried about things. And we can be completely 
out of focus what is actually happening? Do we really spend time in prayer when somebody is going through suffering? Or do you think that's not my problem when things to my doorstep, am I just trying to sort it out and I get worried and upset and I'm trying to Google it? I'm trying to NHS it? I'm trying to ask, do some sort of uh, calming down with it? Because until it is away from me, I feel more comfortable no, that's not the way God wants us to lead our lives. Our trust is in the Lord, and we want to see the way God sees what's happening outside. It's challenging. We have surplus. We have superbus broadband, but we don't have time to read the Scripture. We have 52 to 60 versions of English Bible is available. In many, many languages, they don't have any Bible but we don't have time to read. We have 24 hours, seven days a week, but we don't have time to, to pause and pray half an hour. We are busy. We have three hours to plan our holiday six months ahead. But we fail to gather our family to talk what is actually going on in our family. I'm not trying to send you through guilt trip. Grace will enable you to pray. Grace will enable you to seek God. Grace will enable you to rely on God. You don't need to wait for persecution and suffering to start praying because God is encouraging. Tend to God. In tough times, in good times. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 to 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your mind in Christ Jesus. We have a God who can speak to the living and non-living. Herod, you can bring you know, guards with the life to, to put someone, and the chains won't listen to you. But I have a God. The chains will listen to Him. The gates will listen to Him. The rock will listen to Him. The mountains will listen to him. The seas will set apart when he talks. He can speak to wind and waves. He can speak to cancer. He can speak to depression. He is his God. That's the God we have. In the midst of persecution and suffering, that's the God we, we, we trust and we rely on. He can bring angels. He can make God sleep. He can multiply water into wine and bread. He can do anything, everything. But this is the same God didn't do anything when James was in trouble. That's not true. He was in control. He knew what he was doing. And he was, he's the wisest and the strongest person we can ever meet. Let me finish. A couple of quotes from Tim Keller. 
Before we pray, it is important to meditate the biblical truth. Sometimes we ask, why do, how, what, what, what's the reason I don't feel like I'm praying? Why, why, why is it so boring? Because sometimes we don't understand what prayer is. We know to talk to someone in power if we need something. We know how to talk to a surgeon because by knowing that person can cut your heart or do things very, very clearly. We know how to talk to a solicitor or lawyer because we know that that person is knowledgeable enough to, to deal with that situation. We know where to call. We know how to call a bank. We know how to call a solicitor. We know how to talk to different circumstances because by knowing their capacity and ability, their limitation, we trust in that person. But when it's coming to God, do we have the trust? Do we have that understanding? He can save sinners. He can do supernatural. He can sustain you in the midst of persecution. Even if you lose your house or job, your life, He can provide for your children and for your family. And he's coming back. He's God. He's not a confused, incompetent, struggling to manage the political chaos. He is seated on the throne. He is God. And he's our father. When we know that who he is, that's the place we turn to him. Not to twist his arm. Not to give him the instruction how to do the surgery. But we know that he is God and I am his child. I can go to my father wherever, whenever I want to go. And it's not boring. And his spirit is going to enable me to pray. It's not my muscle business. And he's going to encourage me, empower me. And he said... Even there are times you don't know how to pray, what to pray, but the Spirit will enable you. He said, I will never leave you, nor forsake you. Church was praying for him. And God proved before Herod, I can do whatever I want. And the church was praying. And they were not even expecting a supernatural miracle at that time. But God didn't say that. You're fired now. Still things moved on. What a wonderful God we have. And He is building His church. My challenge is, tonight, let's focus on God and come to Him. When our brothers are going through suffering, if you are going through good times, spend time in prayer. We have Gekul, one of our friends, been, you know, just denied justice five or six times. The court was canceled again and again. He's, a, he's seeking asylum in this country. He didn't see his, uh, his child for last is five years, nearly five years. He's among us. I don't know how many of you, you know him. Do you really pray for that? Do you go and talk to other people, work in council, talk to Paul Hain? Talk to Richard, uh, you know, Jody, Jody Barker, you know, just what is actually no recourse to public fund me? What is the housing crisis? What is actually happening around us? Talk to your children. What is persecution? What is suffering? And prepare them 
for the battle and pray for them. And it's not like a pressured one, it's a privilege. And this evening, I'd like to encourage you, husband and wife, raise your wife, come for prayer. Husband, come for prayer. Children, if you're grown enough, if you are permitted, come and pray. There are lots of things. Talk to people and say, what can I pray for you? There are lots of things happening in our city, in university, in our town. But God has called us this time to stand and shine for His glory and for His kingdom. And He is always the winning goal. He always called. And He already done that. He said, it's finished.